We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I think it's the afternoon. Well, at least Eastern time. Good afternoon, Grinders. It's uh, it's uh, welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, as always. Blender Red, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Wednesday, July sixth in the afternoon. We're we're an hour behind. Uh, it, it's not. I see in the chat. It's like, oh, I needed some added added sleep. It's like, no, no. We just had a, a big. Uh, company-wide meeting or whatever done virtually or whatever like that that was obviously scheduled during the pregame show normal time slot so gotta 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 go to that first but uh we're, we're here it doesn't really matter that much doesn't really matter an extra an extra hour the extra hour of sleep for you guys if you wanted uh and uh nothing really changes on today's slate right we don't we don't line ups in it's the same it's, it's the same thing regardless right still getting those thummy thumbs in the chat right Give me those thummy thumbs, subscribe, hit the notification bell, do whatever you want. Suki Singh's here. See, it doesn't matter what time it is. Suki Singh is always going to be here early anyway. Doug Montgomery, good morning. Zach Hobbs, card fan. Julian Wilson, Brian Tonier, uh, asking about the afternoon slate. No, I'm I'm not. I'm I'm not. What when is the afternoon slate? Is that a? Is, are they doing a one o'clock slate or a two o'clock slate? One, two, three, four. I I guess it's a four game slate on DraftKings. Right, but no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not playing the afternoon slate. I'm, I am playing the the regular slate uh, tonight. But, uh, but yesterday, yesterday I had a good day. Not on Fanduel. Fanduel was just, that that was a zero. Fanduel was a zero yesterday. But uh, DraftKings yesterday, very good day. Could have been, could have been much better if, uh, if where, where's my lineup? Yeah, would have been much better if. Uh, oh, that's that's the double up. Okay. Would ah uh, yeah would have been much better if Alex Wood didn't get just pulled after seventy one pitches, uh, and then got more than fourteen point eight five points. I mean, just pitch another inning and get the win, and maybe I come in second at least, uh, in the one twenty one. So this is the lineup that I played last night in the one twenty in the one twenty one, and I did I did fine in my three mans triple ups. You know the stuff that I, that I'm that I'm I've been playing now for the past two two and a half weeks or so, uh, and uh, basically I played a uh, Tampa Bay Tampa Bay five man. With uh, three uh, Phillies, obviously uh, Kyle Schwarber double dong yesterday. Real Muto home run. Castellanos had a good game, sixteen points. Then I got you know four percent on Wander Franco at shortstop. Yandy Diaz at two percent over here. Got two pitchers that actually scored points yesterday. 
<laughs> right? Right. Good luck getting it. As long as you got two pitchers that added up to like 30 points, you were fine. Right. Right. Not many, not many did well. Right. Luis Garcia didn't even look that well. Right. He was, he gave up four runs in like two innings. It's like, okay, he's dead, but he managed to come back. He had a very low pitch count. Uh, Kikuchi, I don't know what happened to him. Five walks, two hit batsmen. I don't know. Something's up with something up. Something is uh, up with his arm. So he was minus eight and he was like the second highest owned pitcher on the slate. Uh, but, uh, but I got to, to this lineup in the, uh, the, the one twenty one, and people ask like, well, this is a sing, this is a single entry contest, right? It has 642 entries in it. Like, how do you get to a single entry type of lineup? Well, I'm doing it very similar way that I build my, my three man triple up style of lineups. Basically I want to get away from, from uh popular combinations. Okay. So, I take a look at like the double up. So looking at a cash lineup, and I, I've said this many times in the past, that even if you do not play cash games, if you don't play double ups, you don't play whatever, head to head, that knowing what cash lineups look like will help you in GPPs because you can tell who's who's going to be higher owned, what combinations are going to be higher owned. So if we take a look at cash lineups yesterday, we take a look at Hoskins, 51% owned in the, this is a double up. Okay. The, the big uh, 459 person, single entry, $25 double up, which the types of people that would be playing this may be playing the 121. So you have the, the Phillies are chalky, right? You have Schwarber at 39%. You have Hoskins at 51%, right? You got Luis Garcia at 81%. And you got Kikuchi at 51%. Uber chalk. You got Jose Ramirez. Uber chalk. You also had uh, uh, Fran Mil Reyes. If I go to some some lineups here, right here. Here's a, here's a lineup that that a lot of people played with uh, Jose Ramirez, Mookie Betts at forty four percent, Fran Mil Reyes at twenty six percent, Riley Green twenty two, Glaber Torres. Right. Some people played a different different second starting pitcher, but it was mostly Garcia and Kikuchi. We can go to some other lineups down here. Let's see Uticao over here. Right, not many people played Seeger, but you could see common common constructions: Greens, Schwarber, Hoskins, Kikuchi, Garcia. So now, originally, if I if if I'm looking for like what what is the highest uh, projected like stack combination, it would have given me Phillies plus Indians plus the Guardians, whatever. I still call them the Indians, right? Because of Joe Ram at third, and because of Fran Mil Reyes at thirty two hundred in the outfield. So what once if two popular players, right, Hoskins and Schwarber and Castellanos and those types of guys. So, like, the more that a certain team are involved in cash lineups, the more likely that the highest projected, like, five-man stack or 4-3-1 or something like that, combinations of players will involve those teams also. Now, I'm not saying anything that's like, oh, this isn't groundbreaking, right? This seems kind of obvious. So, the more that you get rid of those players, the more you're getting away from combinations. If you're playing Joe Ram and Hoskins in a Cleveland lineup, even if you're playing, if you just decided to play like Luke Molly or something at catcher, right? You're getting, you're getting, you're, you're playing weird parts of the lineups of these teams. You're playing uh, whatever, Stott. You're playing Alec Bohm at third base instead of Joe Ram. Right, you're still you're still landing on very common combinations, and especially in uh, uh, small field single entry contest, the chalk tends to be chalky. So someone like uh, like uh, if I could take a look, let's see, can we find? Uh, typically, you could do this in the app and look at all the players, but if we go to let's go let's go to can we can we find can we find a Joe Ram lineup? Let's see. Let's see. Can we find anything with Joe Ram in it? Because he was overwhelming chalk at third base. Let's see. Can we? We can probably find. We can probably find someone's cash lineup in here. Has Mark Lovin played this cash lineup? Yeah, there you go. Uh, so here you go. Joe Ram is thirty percent in this contest, and, and this is obviously this is McLovin's cash lineup. So I mean, you're playing in the one twenty one against a lot of people's cash lineups. They're like they, they play one lineup and that's it. But look, Rosario was 11%, Ramirez, and then Fran Mil Reyes was owned. Here's Alan, Alan Lem, right here. Here's, here's, here's a Indians, uh, Guardians stack, right? Jimenez, Ramirez, 
Rosario, Quan, Reyes. Right, Quan's low-owned. Right, but the combinations with, just because of Joe Ram's ownership, Joe Ram's ownership will move up the Guardians' ownership as a whole a lot more. Right, alongside Garcia, alongside Kikuchi. So once you start taking these players out, you go, well, if I don't play Joe Ram, and I don't play Reyes, most likely I'm not going to get to, projected-wise, a, gar- a Guardians five-man stack, probably not. Because those are the better projected players. If I take out Rosario, right? I'm probably not going to get, I'm probably not going to get a, a six, eight, nine type of Guardian stack on a 12-game slate, right? If I take out Hoskins, now if I take out Hoskins, maybe I still get Derek Hall because they're both eligible at first base. Do I take out Schwarber? Well, it turns out that Schwarber projected well enough that I that I I didn't take him out. I played him on DraftKings. So once you start taking out player combinations that are more likely to be used, this was literally, once I removed all the players that are Joe Ram, all the guys that I mentioned, I removed Hoskins, I removed Joe Ram, I removed Kikuchi as a second starting pitcher. Uh, I removed Betts. So if I remove Betts, I'm more likely to not get a Dodger stack, right? Because he's the best like projected because of his price. If I start removing those types of guys, what comes up? This was literally the top projected 5-3 lineup. Like I, That's literally what I did. Once I start removing the combinations that are going to be more used, it ended up, hey, Tampa Bay. Of course, since I didn't remove Schwarber and Castellanos, like they projected very well. So putting together Schwarber, Castellanos, and then Real Muto at catcher still allow me to get the Phillies. But now I have, you know, one, two, three percent, four percent owned Rays, have 10% owned Alex Wood in my lineup. This this was the highest median projected it, uh, to, to my aggregate projections. Right. I aggregate a whole bunch of projections together. So that's how I came up with this lineup. So not necessarily even looking at like, well, is this low owned and what is this stack lower owned based on X, Y, and Z? Well, I'm not playing the large field contests. So like this, this race stack in, in large field was actually more owned. I mean, not like highly owned or anything, but more owned, but in the 121, much lower owned. You have to, you have to figure in, in, uh, in the 121, the ownership is going to be much more barbell. Okay, understand that concept of the barbell type of ownership. We're not looking, the bell curve is this, right? I'm trying to, I'm using my hands, right? So if you, to go, when you go into large field contests in comparison to small field contests, the ownership tends to be more bell curved, which means that uh, the chalkier plays will be chalk, but they won't be absurdly chalky, right? So if, 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 if a lot of cash lineups have Jose Ramirez, like Jose Ramirez will still be the the highest owned, you know, third baseman in large field contests, but it'll be he'll be twenty five percent owned. He'll be twenty two percent owned on a twelve game slate, twenty percent owned. Yet in the one twenty one, he'll be thirty plus percent owned. Now, if Jose Ramirez is going to be thirty plus percent owned, if uh, Hoskins is going to be thirty plus percent owned, if Schwarber is going to be twenty eight percent owned. If Kikuchi is going to be 50% owned, well, that means other people that were would normally be 6% owned are going to be 3% owned, right? All It's the barbell effect. So as more ownership on certain people happen on one side, all the ownership kind of flattens out on the bottom end of the curve. So you get more barbell style ownership distributions, right? You push... Just to go over it again, once you start pushing a handful, 10 players, five to 10 players subset up in ownership, the removal of ownership is going to happen a little bit more extreme on the other end of the spectrum. So a stack that in large field looks like is going to be 5% owned, maybe 2% owned in the 121. So this is how you can adjust when you take a look at our ownership Right, we have our projected ownership. The bat has projected ownership now. This is all geared towards the large field contests. Whatever the fifteen dollar relay throw on DraftKings. So how do you scale that to the one twenty one? 
So like looking at like today's slate, you take a look and you go, okay, well, let, let's take a look at the batters. You go, okay, Betts is 21. Like this is for today's slate. The, the Dodgers have a six run total. They're going to be chalky, right? So look, Mookie Betts is 4,500. Will Smith is 4,900. Max Muncy is 4,200. The Dodgers are actually underpriced today on DraftKings. They're still, they're not cheap, but they're underpriced. So in large field contests, this, this may be correct. 21, 16, 14. But in like the 121, like this goes up dramatically. Betts may be 35% owned. Will Smith may be 22% owned. Max Muncy may be 20% owned. But ownership is, is, there's a finite amount of ownership available in a contest, right? Right, if more, if these people are going to be even more owned, Who's going to be less owned because of it? So if we go to let's just let's change uh, choose a, a, a position like catcher, okay? So take a look at all the ownership here at catcher that we have currently projected without starting lineups or anything. So Will Smith is going to be overwhelming. I mean, he projects for almost two points higher than the next catcher on the slate. So if he's at sixteen, I'll, I'll do this manually just to just to show to show the the effect. I don't know the exact. I don't know the, what you would do exactly. But let's just say we're going to use a little bit more of an extreme example that Will Smith in the large field. Let's just say that this is accurate for the large field. I still think Will Smith will be higher on the large field. But let's just say that in large field GPP is going to be 16% on. Well, the 121, maybe he's 30. That's 14 percentage points that have to come out of everywhere else. Okay. Where does it come out of? Well, it's not going to just come out of Garver or Mejia or some of these, Jonah Heim or Real Muto. It's going to come out of everyone. Okay? So if he's going to be third, let's just, let's even say that he's going to be 36% on. In the small, in the smaller field stuff. The 121. So that's 20, 20 ownership percentages that we have to get rid of everywhere else. Well, it's not going to all, Garver's not going to be 2% owned, but maybe he's going to be 6% owned. So we got rid of four there. Maybe got rid of another four there, right? Maybe this this goes down. Maybe maybe some of these seven seven. Maybe this goes down to six. This goes down to six. This goes down to you know five. Like it scales kind of like this, right? Five five, and then we get down to like these little these these lower really ones. This maybe two two two. Two, one, like a half comes off of there. One comes off of there. Like Elias Diaz, maybe 0.5%. I mean, some of these, Andrew Nisner may not even be owned. This may be a zero. Like some of these may be actually literally be unowned. So this is what happens to ownership in a small field contest from the large field contest. So this is the main reason why like the popular combinations, if Will Smith is going to be 36% owned and people tend to correlate, obviously, in baseball, if Will Smith is going to be 36% owned, then Mookie Betts isn't going to be 21% owned. He's going to be like 42% owned. And then you go to the outfielders and you do the same thing. Well, if Mookie Betts is going to get all that ownership, it has to come out of all these other outfielders. So if we go to the outfielders section, like, yes. Some is going to come out of Schwarber. Some is going to come out of Jake Lamb and Judge. Like Judge, instead of being 12 in the 121, maybe he'll be nine. But once you get to the bottom over here, like Juan Yepes, 3% owned in large field. In the 121, he may be sub 1%. Jackie Bradley Jr. There may only be one or two lineups that have him completely. Even though 2%, 3% in a large field contest is how many lineups? If it's 30,000 entries and it's one, but let's say he's in 1% of lineups, that's still 300 lineups. And the 121, he may literally be unowned. Or if you play him, you're the only one. And probably only in Boston stacks, all only in Red Sox stacks. Probably not even as a one-off because he doesn't even, he doesn't project well, right? Well enough that he'd be in there as a one-off problem. So people have asked in, in the past, like, how do you adjust ownership from a large field GPP, which is what, you know, we give you here. If you're a Roto-Grinders premium member, you get ownership for like all the sports, multiple slates, 
right? Well, what happens if you're not playing the large field contest? You're playing the smaller field stuff. How do you adjust to that? From a directional standpoint, you can still use this ownership. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with, with doing that. But just be aware that the combinations together, you go, you look at your ownership sum and you go, oh, I like the ownership sum. But that ownership sum is going to skyrocket depending on the combinations of players that you're playing that are going to be correlated with each other and which with other people's lineups. Oh, you're paying up for a stack and you're going to punt with some cheap catcher like Jeffers or something like that. I, I don't think it was yet. The two days ago, he was chalky. That wasn't because the twins were chalky. It's because catcher wasn't a great position and people were more likely to punt there. So if you're paying up for a stack, you're more likely to punt the catcher. So how do you not get on that combination? Well, Use the catcher that's in your stack that's not Jeffers. Paying up there. And seeing what type of combinations are available to you and how much projection you're losing by doing so. And a lot of times, you're not losing much projection. So like taking a look at the lineup that I played in the, the 121, the difference in projection between this lineup and the and and literally the, the, the optimal cash lineup, which is not a stacked lineup, it was about a seven-point projection difference. And I get a 5-3 lineup out of it. And two good pitchers and decent pitchers like this. The projection of this lineup, seven points, which is what? A double a RBI double. That's it. Between that and, and like a, a cash lineup with Joe Ram and Fran Mill and Reese Hoskins at first base. Like, this looks weird. It's like Paredes, Walls, Diaz, Franco, Ramirez. It's like, yeah, you get the Schwarber, Castellanos, even Real Muto, and, and Luis Garcia. But it's like, well, once you combine, the, the, the Rays didn't, pro they, they projected pretty well yesterday for their price. Right, because a lot of them are cheap, right? Ramirez is 2,700, Walls is 2,100. And because of that, I'm able to get two 9K pitchers as well as still get Kyle Schwarber and, Real, and paying up for Real Muto. And yes, Schwarber-Castellanos is a popular combination, but it's more likely to have Hoskins in it. So I don't have Hoskins, or more likely even have Hoskins or Hall. So now this first base ownership starts going really down. Most of the lineups that I'm competing against that have Remuto, Schwarber, and Castellanos have Hall or Hoskins there. I don't. I have Paredes. Most of the lineups that have Remuto, Schwarber, and Castellanos have Kikuchi there, but I don't. I have someone else, right? So I could still play three chalky players in a lineup like this. I could still play. I could play. To, I could play the five man Phillies and three three Rays if I wanted to. But actually, this projected better than that. Once I removed Hos, right? I'm removing Hoskins. I'm removing Betts. I'm removing Ramirez. If I didn't remove these guys or Franbel Reyes, this lineup would have been an, a, a Guardian stack. Like, that's the first run that I run, right? What does it look like when all these guys are in? What would give me a 5 3 lineup? It, it, it was Gar, it was Jimenez, it was Joe Ram, Jimenez, uh, Rosario, Fran Mill, Kwan, Schwarber, I think Hall and Real Muto or something, something like that with Garcia and Kikuchi because Kikuchi was 7,800. Like, that would have been the highest projected 5 3 if you left everyone in your player pool. The problem with that lineup is that half of the lineup is a catch. Half the lineup is who you're playing and who most people are playing in double ups. So how much leverage are you really gaining by doing so? And you're competing against people that, take a look, there are people that have Joe Ram. They don't even have Guardians, Phillies, Stacks, but they have the combination that Joe Ram is a one-off. Reyes is a one-off. Schwarber is a one-off. Hoskins is a one-off and it's still multiple of those one-offs are together with each other. I want to get away from those combinations, especially when I could predict they're going to be more owned in the 121 than they will be in the large field. So that's why just explaining the process, like this isn't just pushing buttons, right? Which and it turns out that's all I, that's all I need to do, but conceptually it makes sense. That when you're playing, especially the smaller field contests, that people are more likely to play cash 
ish type of lineups. Getting off the combinations, simply doing that. And then just what's the what's the quote best lineup from there that has, you know, that has a stack of some type that has correlation. And just playing that. So like I, that literally that's what I did. If you use my aggregate projections, which includes plate IQ, which includes the bat here at Roto Grinders. Literally, once I X'd out a bunch of those players that I didn't want the combinations of, this this was a top lineup, so I played it. That's it. That's it. Right? Getting off those combinations came in eighth place. Thousand bucks. I was towards the top of, I mean, look, like the difference between the points wasn't that much. That's why it's like Alex Wood coming out at 71 pitches. Yeah, I mean, he could have done worse. You're right. He could have came in and just given up two runs. That didn't help. And then Ryan Pepio getting a win. And that that I was like in fifth. And then I got knocked down by like what? These all these three people, right? I was in I was in one, two, three, four. Yeah, I was in fifth place. But then Ryan Pepio at two percent owned. Guy got the win bonus, the four point win bonus, and they passed me. But I swept in and cash and everything in cash, whatever I play. In DraftKings yesterday. A very good day on DraftKings. FanDuel, not so much. I didn't have Schwarber in my lineup on FanDuel. So, oh well. But I made enough on DraftKings to have a nice payday regardless. Going through the YouTube chat. Feel free to put in your, your questions. Remember, I'm always here to answer your questions. Trying to sp- explain these concepts. Brian C. says, in such a, in such large field GPPs, would a good idea to set a rule where each lineup must have at least one player sub one to two percent owned. It doesn't. You don't have to do that. Why? If they. Why do you need a one to two percent owned guy? You don't need. You don't even need it. And what happens? Let's say, okay, I'm going to build a lineup. Let's use today as an example. I'm using the bat projections. Okay. Let's say we build the lineup. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. Uh, what's the optimum? What's the, let's let's just. What is the optimal, based on whatever, but like this, okay. Here you go: Javier, Nola, Smith, Pascatino, Muncy, Devers, Walls, Ramirez, Bellinger, Betts. Obviously, you got the Dodgers here. Okay, let's just say, for instance, that you know a lot of people are playing this type of line. They're playing a Dodger stack, and you go, okay, well instead of playing. Instead of playing uh, Harold Ramirez, right, in the outfield, I need a $3,200 outfielder or something like that. Let's go to the lowest end of the ownership. I'm going to play Victor Robles instead, okay? Who's going to come in at less than 1% owned? Well, you still don't want to. Look how you're essentially playing what everyone else is playing except for one person. Do you want this lineup? This lineup is still too high owned. This lineup, why, why, why? I mean, it's a little bit lower projected, but why would you do this? You're not really getting that much. You're not getting, yes, you have, you may be the only person in the world with Victor Robles in in your lineup. And if he puts up three home runs, you're great. But you also need like every other piece of chalk to do well, as well, of do that. And even if all of them do well and Victor Robles has a zero, you, you you still come in 128th place. So simply just putting in a group that says, like, just give me at least one sub 2% on guy could still make lineups that are bad. People want tricks and they don't want to learn concepts. You have to, yeah, you have to think in terms of lineups and not players. We went over this yesterday, right? You have to think non-linearly. I think that's that's one of the biggest issues. And that's why if you go to the, the theory of daily fantasy sports, the whole point of this is to help you help you learn and, and think non-linearly. To play DFS well, you have to think in two different ways. Probabilistically, which I think a lot of people that, that watch your show do do well enough. They understand that there's no such thing as a lock, right? That these projections are 50th percentile outcomes. You have to think in terms of a range of outcomes. People tend to do that decently. 
right? The people that can't even get to that point, they're, they're a lost cause. But also thinking non-linearly. And the fact of what does a what does a good lineup look like for the contest that you're playing, based on the projection, based on the ownership, based on the correlation. Now, people that think linearly, this is how how you play linearly is this. This is this is this is the mistake that people make. I'm not saying it's a mistake, but it's not the right. It's not how you approach playing DFS properly. It's how you start out approaching DFS. What people will do is do this. They'll think in terms of what stack should I play, right? They go, okay, the Dodgers, the Dodgers are too chalky, right? I'm not going to play the Dodgers, but I'm going to, I'll play, I'll play, uh, I'll play the, the, the Rangers against Watkins. I've decided that, right? They, they're not thinking about anything else. They're just thinking about what stack to play. So they go in, they're going to go to Texas. And then go, okay, let's start by putting in our, our our Texas guys. Sort by point per dollar, right? So we got Josh Smith at third base. We got Mitch Garver, catcher. And we're going to play a five-man Rangers stack. I'm, I'm going to fill a shortstop with Corey Seager, right? Maybe Semien and Garcia are a little, little expensive. Maybe maybe you, you throw in Leody Tavares, right? He's going if to, you, if you use an optimizer, he's going to show up in your stack because he's, High point per dollar value at, at at 2K, even though he only projects for, for 5.91. So he's probably going to show up there, right? And you get four, then you need a first baseman or second baseman, low or another outfielder. Maybe you end up with Calhoun in your lineup at 3,900, right? So you end up with something like that. You go, okay, I decided I'm playing the Rangers stack, right? And then they go, okay, what pitchers am I playing? Right, so they go to that. They go, okay, what pitchers am I playing? Said, well, I got to play Aaron Nola, right? I got to play Aaron Nola, but I don't know how I afford this, but I'm going to be different. A lot of people are going to play Christian Javier, but I'm going to play this Brian Bello guy. Apparently, he he's only 5K. He projects well. He's going to be low-owned at 10% ownership. People are going to play Severino or something. I'm going to play Bello. He's going to fit in the lineup, so I'm going to, I'm going to put him in. Average remaining player salary is 53.67, right? They do that, and then they go, okay. Well, now that I'm I'm different at Texas, right? I'm I'm I could play. I could like how do I how do I not play Betts? He's so underpriced. It's a six total, right? How do I not do that? He's the highest, one of the highest projected players. He's all, he almost projects as high as Judge, and he's forty five hundred. So I got, I got to play him, right? And then he got fifty eight hundred left. It's like, well, I think, I, I think I'm try, I think I'm fine, and I'll play Freddie Freeman at first base. Then I got sixty six hundred left, and let's see who 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 would show up left, Muncie, right? Or maybe get rid of this. Let's see what 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 goes. Right, Freeman, Muncy, Judge. Right, because every oh, you think in terms of everyone's playing bets. I'm going to play Judge instead, and you get a lineup like this. You leave 800 on the table. Now, could this lineup be good? Sure, maybe. But once you lock yourself into doing things step by step, you lock yourself out of doing anything else. Like thinking in terms like this. This is how a hand builder. But people people play this way. This they'll use optimizers this way also. They'll do this. What do I play first? What's the first step? Pick this. What do I do first? I get emails all the time. How do you build your lineups? Uh, if you're building single entry three max, especially, I'm only playing three lineups. Do you start with pitcher or do you start with your stack? And I go, I don't start with anything. I build my entire lineup non-linearly. You go, what the hell does that mean? Well, I just showed you how to build the lineup linearly, step by step. But who knows if that is the best Ranger stack lineup to make? Let's say, let's say I do choose to make, let's say, even though I want, I want to see what other Rangers lineups can I make? So I'm going to go here. I'm going to go to Texas. Where's Texas? There you go. Right. I'm going to go to Texas hundred percent. Let's just make five. Let's, let's make a five, three lineup. To remove some of the other 
we could go through this for hours if we, if we don't if we don't constrain it to some to some type of thing. Let's set this to to, to ten. I go okay. Like just give me give me give me five three Texas. Let's see what these lineups look like with the current projections. Give me ten lineups. I tried making it myself, right? But here, no. Here you got Javier Nola. So even though I was putting in Calhoun, right? But this lineup projects for better than that. So here's a lineup that is Rangers Dodgers with Mookie Betts and Max Muncy, 109.33, 189% ownership total. Here's another one with Semi in it. Here's another one with uh, Will Smith in it, right? And we take a look, and here's here's the Brian Bellow lineup, but it has Adolis Garcia and Jonah Heim, and this projected better than the other lineup, right? So this wasn't the optimal way of even putting together that, Do- that Dodgers lineup together. But you see all of these have Dodgers. Basically, it's Rangers-Dodgers. Oh, this one has Phillies. This one has Derek Hall, Mickey Moniak, and Kyle Schwarber. Much lower owned. Right? Here's one with the Cardinals. But now you take a look at the ownership total, and you go 189. Is this too high owned? You're playing the two chalkiest pitchers also together. And you're playing... Probably, well, Mookie, between Mookie Betts or Muncie or Smith, you're also playing very popular one-offs or parts of Dodgers stats. So maybe you don't want to do that, man. And how do, you, how do we limit this? Well, 189 may be too high. 175 may be too high. We take a look at these lineups and go, ah, these too chalky. You look at this, 151. Well, at least it has Bellow in there. So maybe 151 is fine. 151.66 with Bellow. But also, most likely, if you're paying down for a 5K pitcher, you're more likely to have Dodgers in your lineups, right? To pay up for them. So you take a look. Here's a Javier Nola lineup. So you take a look at all of these, and you go, some of these, I don't know, they seem a little too high on 150. Seems like that that range, like 151, 152. I don't mind that much. So I'm going to go into build rules. I'm going to put max total lineup ownership to 152. Right, let's let's see ten lineups. I should get I should get two or three of those lineups. That's a five, and we're only dealing with five threes right now. If we do that, essentially, we're cutting out Javier from the lineup, right? Because we're getting Bellow, which is what we were trying to do in the first place, right? Doing it step by step. So we're getting uh, we're getting these Bellow lineups with Dodgers. But what what happens if we don't play Dodgers? Right, since Nola and the Dodgers, they'll be together. Right here's three Yankees, so we get a lot of Dodgers in here. So what ownership level do we really even have to go down to to not get Dodgers? Right, this one. Where's the Yankees one that we just saw? One thirty-four. So let's go down to one thirty-five. Maybe that'll knock out the Dodgers ownership. I mean, we could just X them out, obviously, but I don't want to X them. I don't want to X them out. We're gonna do this non-linearly. By not just deciding on things. It's like, okay, let's look at 135. Because even at 135, maybe you play Javier and Bello together. Now you have Trey Turner in your lineup, Freeman and Muncie. So you don't have Smith and you don't have Betts. So this combination may be a little bit better. 104.92. Here's a Yankees lineup with Gallo, Donaldson, and Rizzo. So you're, not, you're just avoiding the, the, uh, the Dodgers completely. And look, how much, you, how much are you giving up in projection by not even having three Dodgers? Not much. 0.3? So maybe we just don't even play Dodgers. So I take a look at this lineup. Here's another Yankees lineup. Here's a Dodgers lineup that projects a little bit lower because of Bellinger and Alex Cobb in the lineup. So as long as you get different in pitcher enough, you could probably play the Dodgers in, as a three-man and still and still be under, you know, and still have a decent lower enough ownership. If you wanted to, right? This is thinking non-linearly. You could have played this lineup, or you can play the Bellow lineup and play with the Yankees, or, or much more expensive, right? So the Bellow lineups have Yankees. The Cobb lineups, here's one with the Red Sox in it, even lower owned, 
right? If we if we just let's let's do the elimination game of just these nine lineups. Eliminate the lineups that are low that are higher on than their projection. So 133.02. This one is slightly higher for a slightly less projection. Get rid of it. This one is 132.64, 134. Okay, we have to beat 132. Here's 122. And look, we don't even we got rid of 10 ownership percentage points and barely any projection. So I kind of like that lineup even better than these two lineups above it. 122, 131 is too high compared to the one above it. 132, 120, right? We give up about a half a point in ownership down here, which shouldn't, shouldn't be that much of a problem, right? So you get these two lineups, right? And this is with the Red Sox. Here's one with Bello, Verdugo, Devers, Cordero. This one has Jackie. Ah, we talked about Jackie Bradley before, right? Jackie Bradley, Devers, Cordero with Alex Cobb. Look at how I got to these lines. Like, well, there's nothing wrong with these lineups. Play the, why not play these lineups? I didn't have to X any of the Dodgers out. I just kept on going until naturally, non-linearly, gets to the types of lineups that I'm looking for. Probably somewhere in this 104, 105-point range, somewhere around this 120 to 130 percentage point range. And it's like, I think that that's where a good line is. For this slate, I guess. For just at, at the current, like, we don't have the starting lineup. I'm just using whatever numbers are in there now. And I go like, okay, let's play this lineup. Like, do I want, no, this is Nola and Cobb. This is Javier and Bello. But if you want to just coin flip and just say, which lineup do I play? Just play which, whichever one. I think this lineup is, is a little bit higher projected and not that much difference in ownership. So maybe it's just this lineup. And there you go. There's your lineup. You still decided on playing the Rangers stack. So you still made one decision. You said, okay, I'm going to start from one point. I want to play the Rangers. Right? What type of contest are you playing? Well, I'm playing a whatever, whatever size contest. Well, how do I not play the Dodgers? Well, still maintaining a high projection and a low enough ownership, but not like an absurdly low ownership. Well, there you go. I got to this point. I would have never, I would have never picked out Jackie Bradley Jr. I would have never picked out Franchi Cardero. Or Alex Cobb, maybe. I mean, you go down the list, maybe you get to Alex Cobb. But, like, linearly, you don't get to this lineup. So when you take a look at stronger players, sharper players' lineups, especially in large field, and you go, how did they have this much of that guy? How did they have this of that? Who? How did they choose? Franchi Gordero hits two home runs today for some odd reason. And you go, how did they have them in their lineup? There was no linear choice. It was like, oh, I saw something in Franchi Cordero. It's like, no, the numbers, he was projected at 7.02 at 2.3%. And based on not having Dodgers and not having Nola and Javier together and playing the Rangers, this was the best projected lineup for its ownership. And that's it. And you just let the results happen as they may. Whatever happens, happens. If the projections are accurate, if the ownership is accurate, you just do this every day. Just play, play plus E. This would be a plus EV lineup. Chuck uh, Deuces say, most people can't just look at a top-rated team and fade them or a pitcher. Right. That's why you take advantage of them. People think things happen way too often than they do. Well, how do you just fade the Dodgers? This is it's an eight-game slate. There's 16 teams on the slate. Doesn't mean you have to fade the Dodgers. No, like I said, there were lineups that you could play. You still have one Dodger, two, three Dodgers. You could still you could play a five-man Dodger stack, probably not playing Nova and Javier together. Right? Think non-linearly. If you were to play a Dodger stack, you know it's going to be high-owned. You know it's going to be fairly expensive. So it's like in order to play a Dodger stack, I need to play some type of low-owned three-man or two-man or something. I need to play at least not play one of Nola or Javier. In fact, maybe I have to play neither of them. Maybe I play Cobb and Bellow together and then have a one-off <coughs> third baseman. And then I have Devers or, you know, something like that. Something that's lower than 12% even. Like, how would that lineup look? Visualize that lineup in your head. 
if you were to play a chalky Dodgers deck? Well, what would it have to look like? Let's say you play no Dodgers in your lineup. Let's say, <coughs> uh, who's uh, Javier pitching against? The Royals. Ugh. The Royals, and who's Nola pitching against? Where is Nola? I don't even know. The Phillies. The Nationals. Assuming that Cruz and Soto are back. Let's say you say, well, instead of playing Nola, I'm going to stack against him. I'm not saying that you even need to do this. Let's say I, I'm going to play Soto, Cruz. I'm going to play it, the good hitters, Josh Bell on the Nationals. And play, I'll play, if you're going to play a Nationals five-man stack, let's say in the 121, where Nola's going to be 50% owned, what could, what does the rest of your lineup look like? Well, because I'm stacking against a 50% owned pitcher, this stack is going to be barely owned. It's going to be barely owned. Okay? And I'm already not playing Nola in my lineup because I'm playing the Nationals. So who can I play? Now that I have a 1% owned stack with immense leverage, you know who I can play in my lineup? I can play Christian Javier in my lineup. I probably have to play Cobb or something with him. And then I have, I have, I have spots left. Who can I play in my lineup? Well, I could play Mookie Betts in the. Even if you told me Mookie Betts was thirty five percent owned, I could still play him because I already have low enough ownership. I'm playing a one percent owned stack against the chalkiest pitcher on the slate. So visualize how do I, those those levers right? I'm I'm jamming that leverage lever up, which means my projection is coming way down. How do I get my projection lever back up? Why am I playing the best plays right? Which are the Dodgers? And because I'm playing a one percent owned. Nationals leverage stack, then okay, the Dodgers are fine in those lineups, right? I could probably run those. I mean, that like I visualize what the lineup looked like. So let's let's put it in. I visualize that 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 a that a Nationals. I'm not even saying you should even be doing this today, but if you decided to, you wanted to play the Nationals. I'm going to guess that the highest projected. Let's get rid of the the ownership rule here. I don't even think we're going to need the ownership rule here. Okay. That if I spit out 10 national stacks, I'm assuming I'm going to get Javier. I'm going to get Cobb or Bello. Maybe not even Bello. Cause I think the national, well, I mean, Soto is expensive. So maybe I get some Bello, but the rest of my, the other three players will be Dodgers. I'm going to get Muncie Betts, Smith, some type of combination of Dodgers. So I'm going to build. There you go. Let's see what these national stacks look like. Well, oh, Severelli. We also get Severino. I forgot about him. So there you go. Mookie Betts, Muncie, and Smith. With Javier and Severino. Like I predicted. I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't have to walk through this. I knew what it would look like. Let's go to the next lineup. Oh, look. Bello and the, and the, and the, and the Dodgers. And take a look at the ownerships, 133, 116, 116, 117, 114. Like, I didn't I say I didn't even have to look at the, put an ownership cap on it to go like, oh, make sure to get low-owned lineups. Yeah, well, the Nationals are low-owned as hell. So I could even play 21% on Betts, 14% on Muncie, and 16% on Smith in this lineup. Perfectly fine. In this lineup, in a different lineup, they would, it would be too high-owned. But in this specific lineup, I can. Of course, look at the projection. 100, 99, 99. So like compared to these other lineups that we were building up here, 104.38, you're essentially sacrificing about four to get that additional leverage against NOLA, which may be fine. This would, this would, I would consider this more large field. Probably, I don't know about the 121, you'd play this type of lineup, but here's a way you could play Javier and Dodgers together. This is an extreme way to do it. And I almost know that you now you can jam in chalk all you want. Like all of these have the dot. I mean, like all, all 10, because the Dodgers project for the best for their price on DraftKings today. But I got to this. Look, remember when we were talking before I pressed the button, didn't I tell you what these would look like? Other than forgetting that we still had Severino there. But still, Bello, Javier. Here's Cobb, Javier. Like I. I told you what they would look like. When you think non-linearly, you'd know what they look. You'd know what they look like based on looking at the projections. 
and based on looking at the ownership. If you play a Dodger stack, let's go to a Dodger stack. What do those look like? Like if you don't care about ownership, they're gonna look they're gonna look really, really chalky. So let's let's build five threes with the with the Dodgers. Right. Okay, here's the Rays. Javier Nola, Dodgers. Javier Nola, Dodgers. Javier Nola, Dodgers. And you need the cheap, the cheap Rays to fill in those stacks. Right, you'll take a look at that. But let, take a look at this ownership. Two hundred two. Yeah, the projection's nice. One fourteen. Yeah, great. Fortunately, look how high owned these these lineups are. So let's say we want to get down into that one thirty five range, like we were looking before. So we set the max there, and then let's run it. But we still want five man Dodgers stacks. So what are these lines going to look like? They don't have weird pitchers. They're not going to be able to have Nola and Javier in them. Oh, look, they don't have Nola and Javier. Bellow, Cobb, Bellow, Cobb, Josiah Gray, and Nola with the Royals in this lineup, right? And the projection isn't all that bad. We take a look at some of these lineups, 106.68, but the primary differentiation, if you're playing the Dodger stack, is by not having the two chalk pitchers. But couldn't you have visualized that beforehand? Well, if I'm going to play the chalkiest stack on the slate, but I don't want to have the highest own lineup. How do I have a lower own lineup by still playing five of the chalkiest batters on the slate? Oh, probably have different pitchers. Right. Instead of playing the two 25 to 50% owned pitchers, probably playing one of them, if not neither of them. Like That's something you would do in your head. If you're hand building, conceptually, you wouldn't even need lineup HQ for this to think through, well, if you did this, what does it look like? Don't get to that point. Don't get to the point where you're building lineups and you're going, I play this, 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 and then you get to a, I need a $2,400 outfielder. What's the best one available? That's thinking linearly. Bad DFS players think linearly. Thinking non-linear is, I'm going to start from one point and go, well, if I play this as one piece of my lineup, what does the rest of the lineup have to look like? That's what play whoever you want means. You start from one point, you've now limited the options for all the other things, but you could start from any point you want. So when people say, do you start from pitcher? I don't start from anything. I start from this. I start from, let me run lineups and see what they look like. What are, what, what are lineups going to be look like more than others? And how do I not play those? That's essentially what I'm doing, right? I'm taking a look at, okay, what is uh, Javier Nola, the Dodger stack in the in the Rays? Right, you take a look at some of these projections. You go, well, in order to get the 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 Dodger stacks in, I think the Dodger stacks are going to have a lot of like Harold Ramirez. Like they're going to need some of these cheap guys, and maybe they're not going to use Trey Turner. So Taylor Walls may appear with a lot of Dodgers. Maybe, maybe I don't know. But based on this, this is what I would see. So it's like if I were to play the if I were to play the Rays as a stack. Maybe I don't play them with the Dodgers. Why? Because maybe Walls and and Ramirez or Kiermaier or something like that are going to appear in more Dodgers lineups because I ran them and I saw it. So it's like if I do want to play a Rays stack, maybe I don't play the Rays with the Dodgers. Because a lot of people are playing the Dodgers with the Rays. You see how that works out? How would you know that? Well, I just ran the lineups and saw. That's it. And once you see that, you're like, okay, well, if I don't play, well, let, let's say you play Trey Turner instead, then what do those lineups look like? And you could run, you could use lineup HQ and you could run all, you could run, just run them. Right, look, I'm running 10 lineups at a time. I go, well, if people do this, what does it look like? People do that, what does it look like? Right, and I'm not looking to do what other people are doing. So it's like, now that I could, now that I could see what other people are doing, how do I visualize non-linearly what my lineup should look like? I'm not going to fade everything, right? Okay, well, everyone's going to play this, so I'm not going to, I'm going to just max out everyone. It's like, yeah, and you can also have lineups that are 30 points lower projected. You don't need to have that low projected of a lineup. You can play pieces together. So when people say, well, yeah, I'm going to fade this guy. It's like, well, what type of lineup is it? If you're, play, if you're playing a 1% don't stack, why are you fading Christian Javier also? But you don't need to. 
But in a lineup that has a Dodger stack, maybe you should be fading Christian Javier, right? So it's not about the players. It's about the lineups, about the context. Scorpion with Scorp asks, what would you do for 150 lineups? It seems like the lower the ownership total, the lower the projection. Yeah, that's that's normal. Obviously, the better projected players are going to be more owned because they're better projected. You're looking for the right balance of projection, ownership, and correlation. You want your ownership to go down. Your projection will go down with it. But you want to maintain as high a projection as you can for the lowest ownership possible. That's the game of DFS in GPPs. You get a lineup that this the top lineup is 114. You get a lineup at 110 that's half the ownership. I would jam that in all. You're not going to find that, but if you could, you'd jam that in all day. Sacrifice four points in projection for a hundred percentage points in ownership on this slate. And that's that would be a great lineup. Doesn't exist, but it would be a great lineup. So as you go down in projection, you should be losing ownership with it. If you're not, you shouldn't be playing those lineups. What you should be doing, what would I do for 150 lineups? I'll say this again. I'll say it a million times. Literally no one does this. Okay, so I'm telling you a secret that no one does. Okay, I do it, but no one does. I've never heard of anyone, because I've given this advice and no one has ever actually done it. If you want to build 150 lineups, you should start with one lineup. Build one lineup. You're playing large field contest. You're building one lineup. That's it. That's all you're doing. You're building the best lineup you can for the contest. When you're when you're sat when you're you're confident that you could do that, then you build three lineups. That's it. That's all you do. You build three lineups, and you don't use an optimizer. Okay, you use it to look at. You could use it like what I'm doing as a research tool, but you're not putting in settings and exposure. You're not doing any of that. You're just looking for three good lineups to play. When you're done, when you're confident you could do that, then go to five. When you're confident to do that, then you go to 10. When you're confident you could do 10 in a reasonable time amount of time, you go to 20. When you could do that, then you go to 30 or 40. Once you go to 30, once you once you get past 20, it's going to be hard for you to do because you remember you're hand building these. You may be looking at them in here. But then you're plugging them in. And you could do it with the CSV if you want. Once you get past 40, now you can start looking into like, now that I'm confident I could do 40 good lineups in different combinations. And I know that I'm that I'm on point with it, with the balance of those three levers. Then how do I use lineup HQ to do this more? Instead of 40, I, 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 could, build, I could build 400 of these. I could build 4,000 of these in different ways. And then now it's a matter of how do, how do you get the tool to do it for you, right? You could visualize every you, you you're doing it, right? You're visualizing and you're doing it. So once you do that, you know, at, at, and at that point, it's about two years later, okay. So if you haven't done that yet, you're still two years away from from playing 150 lineups using an optimizer. You could use this as a tool. That's why I tell you that no one does this. This is what I'm telling you what I do. That's that's exactly how I learned. If you can't build one good lineup, how are you going to build 150? If you can't build three lineups, how are you going to build 20? How are you going to build five? If you can't build one. Start with one. And then the next, the next day you build another one. You do that for three months. You don't move up to three lineups for unless you're sure. You play multiple sports. You do this in multiple sports, multiple slates, if you want. What's your confident? And then when you build that one lineup, then you're you're downloading CSVs and you're studying other players' lineups. I'm tell I'm telling you the path to success. You just have to do it. And I rely on the fact when I sell this, I sell this course. People go, like one of the FAQ questions is like, aren't you giving away your own edge by teaching this course? And I go, nope, I'm not holding anything back. I'm telling you that 
People look at this and they go, well, what's the shortcut? I'm special. You're not special. I'm not special either. In order for me to learn all this, these types of concepts took me thousands upon thousands of hours. Thousands upon thousands of hours. Studying, especially. Are you going to do that? If the answer is no, then play for entertainment. You're absolutely, go do whatever you want. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. YOLO, get lucky. If you want to learn how to actually play, then you have to yeah, you have to go through first grade, second grade, third grade. You can't just skip over to calculus and go, well, I'd never learn how to do long division. Grant Brown asks, so if you were doing the 121 and the relay, say five lineups in terms of efficiency, would you get your 121 lineup, then start pulling on leverage correlation to get a plus EV relay build? Relay then one twenty one. That's t- typically I go from that. I, I go in that that order. Yes. If I were to do that that way, because that's that's kind of what I do in MMA, right? Because I play small field stuff in MMA as well as large field stuff. I start from. I don't need to give up that much ownership, and then I scale it from there. I think that's easy. I think that mentally is easier. Some people do it the other way, but in order to get to the large field stuff, you have to know what the cash lineup is. Like you have to know what people are doing. This is what lineups more likely are not going to look like. And I have to get different from that. So in the, in the 121, how different do you have to get? Not as much as the, the large field. So I think it's it, it, it makes sense more mentally that if you're going to do, you can't do the processes at the same time. So what I, what I would do and what I do do is go, okay, I'm going to decide on what I'm going to play in the 121. Once I decide on that, and I go, okay, now I'm going to build my five relay lineups and know that it's going to be much different than the 121, right? The 121, I'm maybe not sacrificing as much projection, still having a fairly decent owned lineup. The relay throw, I may go, okay, well, I'm getting rid of, you know, I'm dropping my ownership even more. I think it's much harder to think in terms of, okay, what's the cash lineup? How do I get extremely different? first and then how do i get closely different i think it's a little bit easier progressively that way but to each their own i don't know if that's 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 how i would think scorpion asked when the excel book is coming well it's not an excel book it's it's a it's a second for advanced players course that will include excel tools that you can use and that's going to come out in about a month by the first week in august Probably be done the end of July. Then I go to I go to a, a wrestling convention, and come back, and then we'll release it. So I don't have to take care of you know. There's always technical support problems or anything. Can't buy this or whatever, and I'll be away for three days. So I don't want to have to deal with that. So probably after that, first week in August ish. But you're not going to understand that stuff if you don't understand the the concepts in the beginning. I mean, like it. It's it's meant for people that have already listened to this because it's going to be very application based. So it's not going to necessarily hold your hand on like if you if you if you're gonna if you're gonna listen to the, the four advanced players and I'm going to mention expected value or EV concepts and you're like I don't know what that means then I don't know how you're going to gain anything from the, the advanced players course. Like you have to get that con. That's like the most important concept there is in all of any in any type of gambling environment. That's why I go to theoryofdfs.com, 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. You can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. I talk about all this type of stuff. None of this is new. But either, either my, my opinion, either you're, you're treating this seriously or you're treating it for entertainment. If you're treating it for entertainment, it's perfectly fine. Play whatever you want at that point. I need to, There's nothing I could do. Go, have fun. Right? Maybe you're a slightly losing player. Maybe you're a break-even player. Maybe you actually are a little bit profitable. It's like, I don't want to go through all this work. It's like, okay, then you're playing for entertainment. If you, if you want to play to make actual money long-term, like, you're going to have to put work in. That's, that's, that, that's what it is. You put the work in, and it shows. And compared to when I started in 2015, the resources now are seven years later are way better 
I wish I had a course like I wish I had this course in 2015. It would have sped it would have sped me up much quicker than me having to study lineups and test things out myself. So if you want to do that, theoryofdfs.com. And if you want to talk about t- tonight's slate, I don't know if there's any weather problems today. Maybe in Baltimore, maybe Baltimore, Pittsburgh, maybe East Coast. They'll be talking about today's slate, tonight's slate. Eight game slate later today, Grinders Live, and then Crunch Time, which normally is for premium members, but it's free all season for you. So it's here on YouTube. Hit that thumbs up button on your way out the door. Give me those dummy thumbs. Hit the notification bell. You'll always know when we go live. I know it was an hour, an hour late today, but it's back to the regular time. Back to the regular time tomorrow. Right? Because I'll be answering your DFS strategy questions like I always do on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. <laughs>